Hello, everyone, and welcome to another awesome episode of the Agreeable Gray Area podcast. I guess I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I have no idea if this episode will be awesome. That's for you to judge. But I'm sure you're going to think it's awesome. I'm, I'm a little confident in that. As always, I'm your host, Leandra. Sorry to say my full name because I have several times. Y'all know who I am and why the heck not? I do want to take a moment to thank Gil, who came on last time as my first guest. It was an incredible episode. It was episode 14. If you haven't listened to it, definitely go and listen to it. It's a little longer than my other episodes, but it is definitely worth it. It is a great time. So just wanted to thank Gil again for coming on last time. In this episode, I wanted to talk about being selfish. We use this term in many different ways, and I'm here to tell you that it's not as bad of a term as it sounds. We were kind of just raised to believe that it's very bad. So, for example, when we're young, we're taught that being selfish is like one of the worst things you can be. It can be used as almost a slur. And I mean that when we're kids, like in elementary school. Kids, kids, kids. <laughs> Not so much when you're older, like, because we all know what a slur is more so. If you're called selfish, especially in elementary school when you're taught to share, when you're taught to share your toys, your pencils, pens, you learn how to share. So when you're not sharing things, you're taught that you are selfish. Unfortunately, we tie the term selfish to a lot more things now. And it's still kind of a, it's a jarring term to be called. At times, of course, some people, of course, are selfish. And you need to be aware of that. There are a lot of times when you need to be quote-unquote selfish in order to protect yourself, to protect your mental health, to uphold your boundaries, to uphold who you intrinsically and truly are. Because we're taught that selfish is so bad, we believe being completely selfless is the way to go. But that can be more damaging sometimes especially if we don't know how to set boundaries in place. Before I get into that, I want to talk about what actual selfishness can look like. We've seen it in how people talk and converse with one another. You know, when people converse with you, they probably only talk about themselves. We all have those people in our lives that do. They ask you how you're doing, and that's literally the only question that they ask you. And yet you're somehow roped into a 45-minute conversation with them. You know everything about them. You know their dog's best friend's name. You know what the name of their kid's doctor is. And that isn't even your kid. You never even met the kid. You've seen pictures of the kid and yet you're roped into this conversation and all they're doing is just laying everything on the table and you can barely get a word in. 
They never ask you about anything about yourself. That's one form of selfishness that I, that I see quite often. It's very easy to get roped into, <laughs> especially if you're like me and you like to listen and you like to converse and you genuinely give a shit about people. <laughs> so you want to hear what they have to say. It just sucks when they don't want to, they just don't have that skill, I guess, or that thought in their head or that realization. I don't know what to call it. It just sucks when they don't have that realization that what I like to say, <laughs> you're a whole ass person too. Like an entire person, you're a whole ass person. <laughs> you got things going on, you got things you wanna talk about. I know that it's easy to say nothing after somebody asks you what's going on. I get that. We all know that that, that is just a lie, you know? like. We all know that there's something going on <laughs> with everybody. Sometimes we may feel reluctant to share because we might be going through some really awesome things, some great things. You might have gotten a promotion. You might have paid off your credit card. I don't know. Whatever excites you, you want to share that. But you ask this person how they're doing first and they only share a bunch of negative things and you don't want to sound like i don't know you don't you don't want to sound rude i guess telling them about your amazing <laughs> accomplishments your amazing things that are, that are going on because you don't want to come off as being selfish it's it's a weird conversational dance that you have to play that mental gymnastics of is it okay to share good news with this person? Do they want to be in this mental rut? Is it that bad if they want to be there? But you don't really want to sink down into their misery, so to speak. You kind of want to uplift them too. And you don't know if uplifting them with your good news is being selfish. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, being called selfish can be used to manipulate you. Oftentimes, they say that when you're putting up, when you're putting up a boundary or you're too burnt out to do something that someone expects you to always do. If you're used to saying yes to people or putting others first, then they will be used to walking all over you. It's still hard for me to say no to people especially at work. It's not that my job makes me feel like I can't say no. I just don't like the thought of letting people down. Fortunately, my manager has helped convince me to push back if need be. They've definitely helped me to feel more comfortable doing that. It's still hard at times, but it's necessary. There was a time where I was pretty swamped at work and I had gotten a ping to do a task that I knew was going to be a little time-consuming. It would have broken me out of my rhythm a bit, you know. They said that they needed it now, because that's what they always say. And <laughs> any job you get, especially if it's marketing, um, email marketing specifically, which is the, the field that I'm in, 
they want things immediately and then you give it to them and then all of a sudden a week later they come back to you and they're like oh where is this and you're like i gave this to you anyway that's a random tangent um <laughs> anyway so they said that they need it now but if i was too busy then they'd ask someone else and i was like okay i felt a little pressured like came off like a threat probably totally wrong most likely <laughs> Probably due to being pressured and swamped with a lot of things, I was more than likely interpreting everything negatively. So I felt a little pressured, but I didn't let that stop me from saying that I honestly couldn't fit the task in until much later that day or possibly tomorrow or something. At first they were cool and they said, oh, okay, we could go and, you know, get somebody else to do it. I was like, okay, cool. And then they later came back and said that they'd wait for me to do it. <laughs> It was so weird. <laughs> I was like, okay. Felt low-key flattered. Felt as though they appreciate the work that I do. Maybe the relationship I have with this particular coworker. I don't know. They probably, I don't know. No idea. You only know so much. You can't always just project onto people <laughs> what they're expecting of you or their interpretations of you rather. So that was, that felt like a huge win for me because I've always just felt as though I got to say yes to everything. And this was one of the few times where I got to experience saying no to things and the end result was fine. You know, nothing exploded. Nobody got mad at me. That's my biggest fear. That's that's definitely one of my bigger work fears is people getting mad at me. No idea why. No idea where that came from. Just don't want to let people down. Don't want people to get mad at me because it could just be kind of annoying if it comes back to me, you know, if I hear it from a higher up, which is rare. Fortunately, my manager is pretty cool, so they would just stick up for me, if anything which is great. I've had managers at previous jobs where essentially if I did something awesome, we all did something awesome. If I did something bad, only I did something bad. <laughs> I've had managers like that in the past at, at you know previous companies, previous jobs that I've worked at. Obviously a very healthy work environment, the best, totally recommend. Don't still have PTSD from that. Nope, not at all. <laughs> Self-care might feel selfish because it's something that only benefits you. I've noticed that a lot of mothers tend to put everyone first. More so, they don't feel as though they're getting the help that they need. I've been seeing that a lot lately in my personal life not that I'm a mom I, I know a lot of moms <laughs> I'm related to moms or I have friends that who are moms co-workers who are moms it's it's definitely the thing where they where they feel as though they're putting everybody else's needs first before their own and they have to mentally manage so many things to the point that if they try to 
have a hobby that's just for themselves, they feel guilty about that sometimes. And it's very sad. It's very sad. I remember I was talking to one of my coworkers, very hardworking person, very hardworking woman, awesome, awesome person as well. She was saying how, because she just recently had a, had a baby, she, was, she felt as though her body wasn't even hers. <laughs> because, you know, she had to breastfeed her, her, her baby. And just hearing her say that just put, me into, put things into perspective for me. Because she's also a writer. And she still finds time to write, which is fantastic. And I was telling her and I was applauding her for it. Because that's something just for her. And she agreed. She was happy that she has her hobby that she loves, that she enjoys, that's just for her. And I can't stress this enough how important that is. Mothers spend a lot of time thinking about and being concerned about everybody else in the household. And they oftentimes feel that their needs aren't being met because they're not witnessing their needs being met, essentially. Partly it's, this is going to sound mean, and I don't want it to sound mean. Partly it is the mother's fault for not setting those boundaries. I see it often where mothers, women in general, sort of take over the roles and do it themselves. I guess in a way it's, it's to say they f- may feel as though no one can do it as well as they can, so they might as well do it themselves. Partly it's because they're not communicating how they want it to be done and why they want it to be done a certain way. Things to be done like a chore, putting away dishes or something, how they want a certain part of the home to look, to be clean, and why. Oftentimes, as well, though, on the other side of that same coin, they are expressing exactly what they need, and unfortunately, their partners just aren't really taking it into true consideration, unfortunately. And it could be very stressful on the mother, the woman, the other partner. So they just kind of grin and bear it and take on a lot of the load. Another term for it is also the mental load. For example, remembering each kid's doctor's names on the off chance that they have different doctors for whatever reason remembering what number school bus they take, remembering the teacher's names, remembering the kids' friends' names, heck, even remembering the kids' birthdays, remembering their partners' families' birthdays. I don't want it to come off as necessarily sexist, but it, I've been seeing this in my own life. My father, most definitely. I've seen this with other men. 
I've been seeing this a lot on social media where men just don't take on the mental load for whatever reason. And if if the woman decides to just take the time for herself to do things, it's usually between nap times of the kids or early in the morning before anybody else is awake. Of course, this isn't all families. And I, I don't want to create a generalization. I don't really like doing that. Every family operates differently. But I've just seen it a lot in my coworkers, how they would say, oh, my kid, my husband is like my fourth kid or, oh, he's practically a kid. I got to take care of everything for him. And it just doesn't sound appealing especially if the wife, the mother, is also working outside of the home too. I can, I can just imagine that being stressful. I live alone and taking care of myself is already a lot, so I can't imagine taking care of kids and a husband and for that to just be expected of me. That just sounds like so much. But of course, to each their own. If it works out in your families, of course, definitely continue. I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm just here to say that sometimes we don't know how to express to our partners to pick up some of the load, so to speak. And sometimes our partners don't really realize that they're being selfish. And if you try to bring it up to them, they may get defensive instead of trying to actually listen and hear. I can go on about that. I do want to have an episode about I do want to have an episode about home ownership, especially living with someone. Because I've mentioned I've lived with my mom, but I haven't quite got into detail about the ways that I was definitely selfish and a lot of the things that I've learned from living with somebody and the expectations I just kind of put on them. And anyways, that's for another, that's for another time. <laughs> Speaking of time, I want to get into how important being selfish with your time is, especially like who you give your time and attention to. So I've cut people off from my life. I'm sure I've mentioned this in a previous episode. Just, just cut them off, just straight up stop talking to them. Sometimes it took me a while to realize why I wasn't enjoying myself when I was around them. They just literally felt like an energy suck. They just felt like energy leeches. They just sucked the energy out of you. I remember seeing a quote by Kim Cattrall, the actress who played Sam Jones in Sex and the City. And also she plays Hilary Duff's older version in the How I Met Your Father series on Hulu. She said, maybe like one or two years ago, I can't remember, some article at some point, she said she doesn't even want to spend an hour where she isn't enjoying herself. And I can definitely relate to that. Because... Maybe five or six years ago, whatever, I gave myself the two-hour rule. And the two-hour rule is, 
If I'm out somewhere and I'm not enjoying myself, I'll at least suck it up for two hours. I figured two hours isn't too short, but it isn't that long either. For example, let's say your friend is having a party from... from 8 o'clock at night to 2 in the morning. If you get there at 10 p.m. and leave at around midnight, that doesn't seem so bad. It's the perfect pop-in, pop-out amount of time. You came in, you did a couple of rounds, talked to quite a few people, you saw the host, and you head out. I think that's perfect. I've used this a few times. And especially if I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed or if I'm just not liking who I'm around. Or if I know I'm entering a space where the people are kind of boring. <laughs> but they invited me because... I don't know, they see me as a form of entertainment or something, then, and if I have nothing else to do, I'll show up for just two hours. <laughs> I figured two hours is enough, especially at my age. I'm much younger than Kim Cattrall, so I could squeeze out two hours. I see where she's coming from, where what's the point of even spending an hour where you're not enjoying yourself? If I'm around a person or a group of people who aren't fun, funny, interesting, curious, or even attractive, then why am I wasting my time? <laughs> like, for you, simply because you wanted me to exist near you, that's, that's not enough. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I know it's selfish, I know it sounds selfish, but time is precious. If you're gonna invite me to your party, or not even a party, if you invite me out and all we're gonna do is just talk about things that piss you off, if we're just gonna sit here and vent, if you're going to complain about every single person that we interact with, with the waitress, with the hostess, with a random person walking down the street, if you're going to sit here and talk shit and complain about everybody and everything, complain about your husband, your boyfriend, your wife, complain about how women are XYZ, even though you want to date a woman, how men are trash, if you're going to just sit here and talk about that the whole time, if you're going to gossip about people who are also in your friend group. I don't I don't want it. I don't need it. <laughs> I am totally fine not interacting with you. This is going to sound very selfish of me, and I admit that. I don't like to compare people to money, but if I feel as though you're a net negative in my life, then I don't need you in my life. Let me explain that. 
I know you want to immediately think about, oh, they have to be a net positive. They have to be adding things to your life. Yeah, at the most, at the very least, they should be a net neutral. They don't have to necessarily add anything to my life. They just have to not take anything away. For example, we have a lot of net neutral people in our lives. It could be that one coworker who is always up getting water at the same time you are. You guys talk, ask each other about each other's weekends, don't really get into too much depth, but they're a decent person. They didn't add anything to your life. They didn't tell you about that awesome new sushi restaurant. You didn't tell them that the circus is in town and it was a lot of fun. Just kept it short and simple. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that kind of relationship. Yeah, it's boring. Yeah, it doesn't really add anything to your life. But it doesn't really take anything away from it either. It's small talk. I see that as net neutral. Neutrality isn't bad. Not always, at least. Sometimes it's exactly what you need. Net positive people are obviously going to be your best friends, the people who you take advice from, the people whose advice you acknowledge and appreciate for sure. Also, if they take your advice, the people who you share more meaningful information with, these are the people you share YouTube videos of things that you know that they're interested in, not just a random funny cat meme. These are the people who you really look forward to spending time with. These are the people who will go out of their way to do things for you. These are the people who you'd go out of your way to do things for as well. That's a net positive person in your life. A net negative person is someone who expects you to be a certain type of way. And if you don't fit their expectations, they'll start to talk shit about you. You, you can't really trust them. They're always negative. They're never doing anything to uplift their lives. They don't ask you about yourself either. They don't really see you as a whole ass person, like I said before. <laughs> I don't like to mention that I've done stand-up comedy because they try to make me out to be some kind of funny source of entertainment. They want to use me as a source of light positivity in their just sad lives. <laughs> that sounds negative and selfish. I don't like sounding like that. I just need to really get to the point and like, you know, I kind of want to sound like make this sound kind of biting because it does it does aggravate me a lot. And it's sad because it took me a long time to realize that. I could never forget. I was riding in the car with somebody and I was quiet. I didn't really realize I was quiet. I probably just had a lot of stuff on my mind. But then they said, Leandra, what's wrong? 
You're usually saying something funny by now. I wasn't sure if that was a joke. I don't know if they were attempting a joke. I don't know if they were being serious. But it kind of put some pressure on me. <laughs> and it kind of made me see them in a different light. That they only saw me as a person who is just a source of entertainment. First of all, it was flattering that they saw me as someone who's funny. And yeah, they would always laugh whenever I'd say things. It'd be kind of annoying because I'd be saying some serious things and they would still laugh. That would get really aggravating too. And I understand that I have a very monotone, almost sarcastic sounding voice sometimes. It can get very annoying when people don't take me seriously. I do want to have an episode about my monotone voice. I was reluctant to talk about this because it's still something that's currently unfolding. It's still very new. I recently stopped talking to one of my brothers. It's, it hasn't been easy. I don't even know where to start. Like, long story short, I hosted Thanksgiving dinner last Thanksgiving, and my brother, he blew up at one of my other brothers because of something that's going on between them that they need to hash out. My brother thought that now was the time to hash it out, and he went on about it in a very, in a very frightening way, very concerning, very alarming way. It took me a while to process things after that, because this isn't the first time he has acted so irrationally. It's kind of his whole thing. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of his whole shtick. But I didn't want that to become normal. So while he was acting just out of his mind crazy, we kicked him out. And one of my sisters who was there because it was just immediate family in the in the neighbor in the in the county kind of thing. Because my other brother and his fiance wanted to leave, understandably so, when somebody is acting completely irrationally and worrisomely and on like borderline threateningly, even though they weren't saying anything threateningly, how they were acting was kind of gave way to that. Of course, they wanted to leave. They weren't feeling safe. They weren't feeling comfortable. But my sister was like, no. And we all ended up kicking out the problematic brother. The thing that my sister said that really stayed with me, and I'm going to be paraphrasing, she said that why are we going to keep someone around that is making us uncomfortable? We should kick them out. And we see that a lot in life where the more problematic person stays, 
you might have heard, you know, stories of HR stories of companies where the man who groped the woman and she goes to HR and then they end up firing the woman because she's quote unquote more problematic. And then the issues continue to persist at the company. You know, that kind of thing. It, it's weird how we kind of, in a way, cower in fear of someone that we shouldn't be cowering in fear of because we just don't want to make them uncomfortable, even though they're making us uncomfortable every single time they're around, you know? That really stuck with me, what, what my sister said. And, you know, the days after that, I started to really sit down and think about my relationship with my brother. And there have been several times throughout the years where I wanted to stop talking to him, but I just swallowed that feeling and ignored it. I felt as though because he's my brother, I have to deal with him. I have to put up with his bullshit. And what happened during Thanksgiving... I won't even say was the straw that broke the camel's back because the camel has been dead under a pile of straws for years. And I was sitting here pretending like it wasn't. And I'm tired of pretending like it's okay. My brother completely disrespected my home. He disrespected Thanksgiving. He, for whatever reason, thought what he was doing was okay. Granted, yes, he was probably drunk. I suspect that he's an alcoholic. That still doesn't give reason for how he acted, though. We all know people who can get very drunk and be fine. They're fine to be around kind of thing. And we all know a handful of people who, when they get drunk, it feels like World War III. You just know a battle is about to happen. <laughs> That's my brother. And he's been like this for a while now, a good several years. What's been happening within the past couple of years, though, is that he's stopped taking responsibility for his actions. Before he would, you know, have some self-realization of some kind that he, what he did was wrong. But as of late, he just doesn't. He reminds me of a child that thinks that life is just happening to them and they have no control over it. My brother is a 35-year-old adult man. I'm his younger sister and he didn't even, he didn't even take it up within himself to show a level of decorum in my home. He didn't do that. Maybe I'm asking too much. Maybe I'm expecting too much from him, which isn't anything new. I mean, granted, I'm not an older sibling, so I don't know. But if I were an older sibling, I would at least want my younger sibling to know that there isn't, there's someone to look up to, especially in the household that we grew up in. And he, couldn't, he can't even do that. Now, mind you, what my brother had endured when we were growing up, when we were children and even young adults, 
is very traumatic. It's very serious. I'm not going to downplay that at all. Very concerning, very traumatic. I'm not I'm not downplaying that at all, especially especially when it comes to what he had to deal with with our father. I'm not downplaying that. And of course, I'm not a therapist, so this is just guessing. I'm suspecting that he hasn't quite healed from those traumas and they are manifesting in different ways. I think he desperately wants somebody to fix him and he doesn't realize that the only person that can fix him is himself. And I am just over it. Once again, I am the younger sibling. It shouldn't be my responsibility to figure things out for him. I too am old. <laughs> I too am a grown adult. I go to therapy. I am trying to deal with my own demons. I'm trying to be a healthy person, a mentally healthy person and a physically healthy person, but a mentally healthy person as well. I remember a quote that said, you may not be responsible for your own traumas, but you are responsible for how you heal from them. It's a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard realization to come to when you realize you're pretty much all you have. And shit, does it hurt to realize that you can't even rely on the best friend you grew up with. When you come to that realization that, yeah, I can't come to this person anymore. I can't come to this person at all. This person has become a net negative in my life. This person does not help, does not uplift me, does not assist me in any way, shape, or form in the direction that I am trying to go. It, it's really hard. A little backstory. So this section that I'm recording, I've been debating if I should keep it in. This is my third time recording this part. I initially recorded the episode around the end of May, early June. And today is June 24th. Yeah, like, this isn't easy for me. <laughs> but I love him. I love my brother. I wish him the best. It's just I can't have him in my life, at least not right now, because I really, truly hate the person I am when I'm around him. I really, truly hate how I have to act when I'm around him because he is just so irrational I, I don't know how to be myself. I feel like I have to be some weird version of myself to appease him. It's an absolutely disgusting way to feel. You should never want to feel this way around anybody simply because they're family. So, because 
he's been selfish and just acting any which way for damn near 15 years, which is pretty much half my life. I decided that I want to be selfish and petty for the first time in my life when it comes to something like this and no longer speak to him until he is making big strides in the right direction for himself mentally. I really don't see a point in talking to him. I really don't. With that said, I know this took an interesting turn (laughs) for an episode. I want to thank you all for listening. Sorry that this episode is a little bit long. I wanted it to be 30 minutes. But yeah, as always, thank you all for listening. You can reach me at agreeablegrayarea at gmail.com. I've launched a website that is not close to being done (laughs) in the least. (laughs) Still has dummy text and dummy images and... Yeah, but it's live. You can go to agreeablegrayarea.com. Gray spelt with an A, just like the email. I am also working on launching a YouTube channel, Agreeable Gray Area, hence the Gmail account. (laughs) Made life a little easier. Going to eventually upload my podcast episodes to YouTube. Please share this podcast with your friends, your family, your loved ones, your hated ones, your net neutral ones. And as always, I'll catch you on the next episode. Ciao.